Welcome to the Entre Pastors Podcast. This show helps pastors think, act, and thrive as prosperous entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Les Hughes and John Sanders. Well, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Entre Pastors Podcast. My name is John Sanders. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show, sitting here all alone by myself in this lonely studio because uh, my buddy Les Hughes, our other co-host, is still out of the country. I don't know if he's ever coming back. He's left me in charge of all of this, and I hope I'm doing a good job, but we miss you, Les. So anyway, Les is out of the country, visiting family. We're hoping to get him back inside the borders of our nation in the near future and back into the studio. But until then, gang, you got me, and I'm so grateful to be joining you. Thank you for each and every one of you that are tuning in and listening to this content, and we're grateful for you. We're just a few months into this journey. We're tw- This is our 21st episode already, and uh, we're just grateful for all of you that are connecting and listening and joining in the membership community. Of course, we got our free Facebook group that a bunch of you are a part of, and our mastermind. I'll talk a little bit more about some of that at the end of the show, but we're so excited to see the message that's getting out there and the impact that it's making in the lives of pastors. And today we've got a really fun episode that I've been uh, chomping at the bit to share with you. This is episode 21. We're titling it, Is It Okay to Want to Be an Entree Pastor? And uh, just a little bit of a background on what you're getting ready to hear. A few weeks ago, Les and I had the opportunity to jump on a coaching call with a pastor by the name of Ben Watt. Ben has served in you know multiple pastoral roles. He grew up in the church. Ironically, he grew up in the same city that I did. I kind of knew of him and his family, um, as our dads both pastored in uh, Peoria, Illinois. But uh, so he he grew up with very much a pastoral ministry background and has served in that space. But here's the problem, guys. Ben has been messed up with a bunch of ideas everywhere he looks he sees opportunity for businesses that could be started and operated and he has a huge heart to serve other people and be generous and to give and we all know it's kind of hard to give a lot when you don't have a lot so he's drawn to business what's up with that and he's wrestling with this question essentially is it okay for me to want to do this or should i just like really focus on the pastoring thing and just do ministry there. And he's got a lot of other questions, and um, we're going to cover those in this coaching call. Now, just so everyone knows, Ben was so gracious to let us share the recording of this with you all, because I believe so many of the questions that Ben is wrestling with, many others are wrestling with as well. Maybe some of the specifics of his situation may not totally apply to yours, but there's some real powerful insight and takeaways that I think you can get out of this conversation. And so I'm grateful to Ben for um, the journey that he's on and for letting us share just a very transparent look inside of his life um, with the rest of this community, because I'm confident that this conversation is going to serve our audience well. So uh, thanks, Ben. And you know what? I should just say this. I don't want to like offer up free coaching to anyone and everyone, but from time to time, Les and I are willing to do this. Like, If you want to jump on a coaching call with us, as long as you're okay with us hitting record and using it as content that will bless other people, uh, hit me up. I'm not promising it for everybody, but uh, I will offer it to the right people in limited measure. 
we have our mastermind for ongoing coaching where some really cool things are happening. But anyway, great conversation coming your way. It's really a, a powerful coaching conversation. And uh, we got a real kicker at the end of this, man. Ben had a breakthrough moment. I'll tell you about it uh, before the show signs off. But without any further ado, let me cut to this coaching conversation that we had recently with Ben Watt. Check this out. All right. Well, Ben, I want to, first of all, thank you for reaching out. Uh, you connected with me with a really um, powerful question. And if it's, if you're okay with it, I'm going to just start by restating the question. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. It's not word for word. But your question to me was basically, is there a is there a dark side or a downside to this whole entree pastor journey? Like, for instance, in my case, did my uh, pathway into becoming an entree pastor cause my the church that I was leading and had planted and led for 17 years, did it cause them to lose their shepherd? I mean, it's a fair question. It's a great question. And there's if we have time in the conversation today, I'll, I'm more than happy to go deep into my story and share some of the behind the scenes. Because it's not, I, what I can tell you, the simple answer is it's it's not that cut and dry to go, well, John pursued Andre pastoring and therefore the Rescue Church lost him as their pastor. There's a lot more layers to that, which I'm totally happy to jump into. But but as you and I were talking back and forth on Facebook, that question is really flowing not so much out of my story, but out of your story, kind of where you're at. So I thought, man, let's jump on a call. And uh, if Les and I can serve you by just going into where you're at and where you feel stuck or trapped or whatever, let's serve you there. So here's how I'll start the conversation, Ben. What would make this a powerful conversation for you? How can we serve you today? Um, I'm not 100% sure because I'll share a brief version of my story. And you can um, help me, <laughs> help me know how you can serve me. I am in transition. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. Then I worked in HR and uh, at a motor coach company for eight years while I began a ministry to fatherless young men. And then after about three years of that, I was struggling to work full time, maintain a marriage, and I was caught up in some sin. So we were recommended by our good counselors to take a break from ministry leadership. And during that time, I kept getting promoted at the motor coach company to where at the end of my eight years, I was the HR and safety director for the company of about 140 employees. Um, in 2019, I began to think, okay, the only reason I'm doing this work is because I know my income will drop if I get back into ministry. A lot of what we needed to work on was, was healed. And, um, then our pastor resigned in 2019 and I was on the search committee and it was good for me to be there and hear the questions they were asking and wonder if I'd be able to answer them. Uh, and then to make a long story short in 2020, I became the interim family pastor at our church. So we had a new senior pastor and they were changing their leadership model to instead of a youth ministry and a children's ministry, just one pastor who oversaw all of that, but they'd never done that before. So I was laid off due to COVID and I was seeking God's will. And so for the last year, I served in that role as family pastor and continued to be part of the search committee <laughs> to find my replacement. And then he came and I spent a month training him everything that I had done. And I loved all of that. Um, so now I'm at this point where I have to have an income for my family. I have a lot of business ideas. I've shared those with John in the past um, in a call. Uh and there's one part of me that wants to go into ministry, and I know that will consume me. There's another part of me 
that remembers what my old pastor said. There's a lot of freedom in being a volunteer. And I recognize I'll give a lot of that up if I become a senior pastor or assistant pastor of a church. Um, at least that's my fear. And so um, without going into too much of more of my story, I'm kind of at this place where I'm wrestling with, I, I, I talked to an entrepreneur coach for a month and they gave me some franchise opportunities. And when it came down to it, I was like, I don't want to be that much in debt um, without a job. I don't think that'd be a good choice with four children at home. But I also don't want to go pastor church just because I don't have a job. <laughs> That's a so horrible reason to go into ministry, by the way. There's <laughs> plenty of other places to get a job than the church. So exactly. It's a terrible reason. But <laughs> But that's what I know. HR, I did for the money, which is also a horrible reason. Yeah. I was good at it, and I and I could fall back into that. But I really have a passion for ministry, but I also have grown to enjoy this life of having a, a decent income. And I feel like um, I'm wrestling between I can't serve God and money. And uh, if I pursue a business opportunity, for example, I interviewed with a financial services company, five interviews, ready to sign on the dotted line. And that's when my my church needed a, an interim family pastor. So I said, guys, I'm going to let this go. Well, I could build a practice there and then in several years have the financial freedom to go do whatever I want in ministry. But I don't want to give up four or five years building a business. So I'm just kind of at this weird place in my life. So you can speak to that. Um, and that would probably help me the most. But then in the context of this, I certainly have other questions that I shared with you. Yeah, absolutely. Can I, can I ask a question, John? You bet. Just as we, as we start, but I think this is really foundational and there are, you're right, Moore, there are so many directions that our conversation can go. And that's exciting because you're, you're, you're representing probably many different kinds of people that are asking about this entree pastor life, but for different reasons. So my question is, what is it about the possibility of having that, of, of still being in the marketplace? Let's call it that, you know, and not a hundred percent only that local church vocational ministry that we, we know what that requires. So is it, for example, we, we talk to people who are more excited about the financial possibility. We talk to people that are more excited about the life freedom, and it really isn't all about the money, but about the freedom that that uh, provides. For some people, it's just, they just like to be doing lots of stuff. They got lots of stuff going on. They get very bored easily, and it's just fun to them. So wh which of those or what part of those really has got your interest or, or, or makes you want to keep a, at least one foot in that world? Um, I learned about, so I grew up in a pastor's home and I went to Bible college and I went straight to ministry. I grew exponentially by working in the marketplace. Um, mm -hmm. I have way more grace with people than I ever did when I was a Bible college graduate. So I <laughs> right, like keeping, yeah. I like yeah, I keeping my, um, my foot in the marketplace because it, it gives me a real world context. I love to be, this is going to be the spiritual side. I love to be generous. Um, and I know you can be generous without money, but I love to give money. And, uh, that was difficult, frankly, when I made $30,000 a year mm -hmm. with a wife and two kids. Sure. Sure. Um, and then I also would love to do some things that are 
luxuries, not necessities. And I don't want to do that off the backs of little old ladies giving their two mites in the offering. I would prefer to have earned that money. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a question I have. I have a couple of questions. One is what if there isn't sides? And here's what I mean by that. What if, what if there's not a ministry side or a spiritual side and a, and a business side? What if, what if that line is completely imaginary? And here's where I'm going to go with another question, kind of a follow-up or a side-by-side question. One of the things you had sent to me in, in just your list of random bullet pointed questions was, you know, Jesus said that, um, you know, you can't serve God and money, which he did say that. And so then your follow-up to that was like, so does being an entree pastor conflict with that, that teaching? So my, my question to you, Ben, would be like, when you look out at the average church, is the only person that's serving God the one that's behind the pulpit and everyone else that's out in the pews, are they all serving money? Like, where is that... Is that line, is that line a, a man-made concept? No, I I love that you asked me that question because it gives me a different context. I feel called to ministry. When I've been praying and saying, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Would you please give me a scripture? On July 29th, I prayed, please give me a scripture. And on August 2nd or 3rd, John um, 15, 16 jumped out. You did not choose me, but I chose you. It ordained you that you should go and bear much fruit and that your fruit should remain. So personally for me, I'm wrestling with that. No, I don't think the pastor is the only one serving God. And I, I love people like JC Penny, um, David Green, the guy that founded Hobby Lobby. I mean, these guys were servants of God mm-hmm. in the marketplace. So I certainly think there's room for that. Maybe, maybe for me, the question is greater is if I'm called to shepherd a flock, but I go into business Am I abandoning my call? And knowing myself personally, I really put my whole heart into whatever I'm doing. So maybe personally, I would have a hard time juggling both. But I still want to take my wife on a cruise without it being because somebody gave me their last two dollars. Yeah, yeah, and I I get that. I was good. That was another area I was going to poke around in earlier in the conversation. You talked about if I choose ministry, and I knew what you meant by that, like kind of in the Vocation. church pastoral ministry. It's it's going to be I can't remember if you said all consuming. There was a word that you used around that, but that was the, the idea or the message that I took from that. That if I go this route, it's going to take everything that I have, and even that, I just want to put a spotlight on that and go. Does it have to? Like I know I know what the ministry you and I grew up in, and just what we've the model we've seen is that where pastors it is this all consuming singular focus. This is what I do twenty four seven three sixty five, but. Is that is that what God's calling upon our life is? Does it have to look like that? What if what if you could put everything you have into being an entree pastor, where I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a pastor? Because here's what here's my sense about you, Ben, and you can I'll make this statement, then you can respond however you want. My sense about you is that even if you try to go into that route of just I'm all in, I'm a pastor, and everything that means, and I'm just going all in there. There's something bubbling up out of your heart that is bringing you back to these ideas for business and opportunities and how I could serve people over here if we put a store of this kind or that kind in this neighborhood. Like, where's that coming from? And how are you going to, are you going to spend the rest of your life suppressing something that might actually be put in your heart by God himself? Like you can, I'll let you respond, but what's going through your mind when you hear me challenge you like that? Because they will find you. 
The, the opportunities you can't, you can't run it. Yeah, the, the yeah. opportunities will still find you. Oh, You'll still see you. them. You'll still have to make these decisions. Um, one thing, I, and go ahead and respond if you would to to John's question. That I've I've got something else in a, in a minute. Um, the ten thousand foot view is, I think, people like Rick Warren who wrote a book and then paid back his salary to his church. I admire that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a pastor in our local community who. Uh, opened up a coffee shop to support a ministry. He's the pastor and his wife runs the coffee shop. That's kind of cool to me. And mm-hmm. so I think those things will come back to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, if you're looking to add value to Ben Watt's life, I have had three months where my church paid me. God bless them. I didn't get a severance for my motor coach company, but my church paid me for three months to soften the blow of transition. And I've been running with all of these different ideas and I have two more paychecks. And then it's cut off and I haven't landed. <laughs> I, I've landed one gig that pays the office rent. <laughs> so, so there's this pressure also. Thank that the Lord for that. <laughs> yeah. I, well, before we go to Les's question, so what are you doing currently right now? We don't have to spend a lot of time on that, but what is the, like the office rent, the gig? Like, tell me more. I rented an office because uh, when I got laid off in 2020, I did not do well staying at home. Okay. So I immediately found an office. They gave me three months free rent. Okay. As soon as, as soon as my time at Cornerstone Baptist church was done. Um, and I said to my wife, I need to go to work every day. So I moved my books in here. I'm sitting at a desk right now and I have studied, uh, I'm writing, there's a blogger. <clears throat> I won't mention his name. Well, maybe I could, but anyway, uh, he does a 10 minute daily broadcast. He's an evangelist. I listen to his podcast and I write a three sentence description. He posts a social media, he posts it on his website and I get paid per description. Mm-hmm. That's the side gig. Okay. And that's a cool story. I was trying to get insurance for this office and I couldn't describe what I did to anybody. So they wouldn't give me good insurance, uh, but I had to have it in order to get the, the free rent. So I just said, I'm a content creator and posted it on Facebook because that's what I'm doing. I'm creating content. Yeah. Okay. A missionary in Baghdad saw it and said, oh, I do graphic design for an American evangelist that we both, both know. Would you be interested in doing this kind of work? And I was like, well, let me think about it. Okay, yep, you're my first nice. customer. <laughs> yeah, nice. So that's pretty pretty incredible how God worked that out. Okay. Cool. And I think he'll keep doing that. I'm just very nervous right now because I've got two more paychecks. Coming. Yeah, that's a nervous place <laughs> yeah. to be. So go ahead, Les. I'm just curious about that. So, Well, I just wonder how, how much work you've done or, or reading that you've done to uh, – to, to, to establish a, a, a healthy mindset around money. And I know that's a much, much bigger question, but I do think there, there, there'd be some value in addressing some, some statements that I've heard you make or, or the, the notes that I saw from you. And one was just a moment ago, and I'll give you an example. I, and I understood completely what you were saying, but here's how it came out. You mentioned um, the difference between in your own heart, the difference between being generous with money that you've earned in the marketplace rather than being generous from money, money that you've still earned as an employee of, or a staff member of a local church. You said, I'd rather, I'd rather do it with money I've earned as if you hadn't earned it by the That's work good. that you'd done in ministry. I, brother, that needs to change, bro because you are earning every bit of it. I get what you say because I have struggled. The reason I know it's because it sounds familiar to me. All right. So I've, I've, I still am very much a full-time pastor of a local church in, in Birmingham, Alabama. It's a 
outside a city kind of church. So it's a robust ministry. All right. That's where I'm, I'm doing where our offices are closed today, but I'm, I'm doing this podcast, you know, uh, from there or, or this recording from there, this call. So that's all I'm saying is I, I, I wish that you would, uh, just, and, and John can certainly help you here because man, he he's coached so many pastors as well. And, and we can, we can talk through some of those things. I just want you to hear that. Mm. You know what I mean? And because that's, I, I hear what you're saying. I really do, but you're, you're earning it. I mean, it's work. A, a worker is worthy of his wages. Right. Uh, before you respond, Ben, that is so good, uh, that insight, but I'm going to defend Ben before he can defend himself and just say this. As soon as Ben gets that squared away in his own mind, there's still going to immediately be that, like everyone else in the church thinks that, right? And not that we can control sure. what other people think, but there is that narrative that basically says, well, you're not, it's different. Like if you're in the marketplace, you're working hard, you're providing content or you know, providing valuable services or goods. When you're in the ministry, you're kind of just, you're a charity case. You're just, your hands out, you're taking what we give you. So there is a cultural thing beyond Ben's own thing, but we, we've got to get it sure. squared away first there. So Ben, I'll let you respond. I just wanted to defend you for a minute. Well, Les was beating up on you. <laughs> right. I, I listened to that. Um, I think, I think I, this is probably another whole phone call or episode. I'm not a big fan of pastors being employees of the church. I think pastors are shepherds and then the sheep feed them. And yes, I absolutely think I can do whatever I want with the money that I earn as their pastor. Um, uh, the, the thing that is that I meant to say was when I make money in the marketplace, I have more of it to give away. Yes. I'm certainly okay with um, spending church money that's been given to me. Um, but, but I, I receive what you're saying because, yeah. um, it's correct. And that, yeah, and Ben, if I could, I want to affirm that too, because I think part of the, you're right. That is kind of a different, uh, subject for a call, but you're, I am in what you just said about, uh, especially that lead, the lead pastor or that person in a shepherding role, whether it's family ministry pastor or student pastor or whatever it is, if you're shepherding people, you absolutely are servant leader, just as Jesus was. I think one of the part of the problem, part of part of the reason we have conversations like this that that can be very hard uh, from a from a pastor's perspective in making this decision is that the church he he went to be a leader, but the church hired an employee. That's a problem. Mm. So yeah. I, I'm I'm amening you 100 percent on that, brother. What I was really talking about was someone that was paid because of the the, the uh, generosity of the church members. That's what I mean in that sense, but you're still, you're still earning that. You know, that, that was my whole point. And I know you agree with that. Ben, what goes through your mind when I ask you this question? Cause I, I want to go down that road. I'm keying in on something you just said a minute ago about, um, there's not as much, if I'm in the marketplace, there's more money than if I'm in the church. Right. So hundred percent. And and yet, for some reason, in the United States and in, in, in our lifetimes and, and beyond, we have built this model in the church where we've just there's a narrative that says if you choose to obey God's calling down this path, you're gonna you're gonna make less money. Um, why 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 are we okay with that? Like, what I want to challenge you with is what if what if I were to here's here's what I want to say. What if I were to challenge you, Ben? I want you to get an income 
that is where you as the leader of your family, that God has called to be the, the provider for your family under his blessing, under his provision, I want you to get your income to that place, the number that in your heart of hearts you would set, not some, I think people are watching and so I'm going to say I want $40,000 a year. Nobody wants $40,000 a year. If they truly were going to write down a number, it would be, I've heard the statistics that say once you get more than about 80K in salary, your happiness doesn't increase. Okay, we can argue about that if we want, but let's go to the other side of that that says between zero and 80, there's a happiness scale that goes up. So anyway, I like, what if I challenge you, Ben, I want you to make a good salary. I believe you're going to be generous with it. I believe God's given you a spiritual gift of giving, and it's hard to exercise that gift when you got Jack to give. So we can talk about what serving in the church looks like after we get your income to a point that it's blessing your family. Like, go ahead and respond to that. I want you to make some money, Ben. Good. We're on the same page. <laughs> Good. So let's we go do that. Do. So, so here's the thing. Uh, when I made about seventy five, when I made eighty thousand um, dollars, we had everything we needed. 90 might have made us a tad bit happier, but any more than that wouldn't have. But if God calls me to pastor a church in the inner city of Peoria, Illinois, that's just not on the table. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, if God calls me to pastor a church in an affluent area where I was the family pastor, um, they paid me almost as much as, like, they took good care of me. The fact that they paid me for three months after I'm not even doing anything tells you that it's pretty affluent church. The problem is that in, and this is a culture thing, but in those kinds of churches, then there is that attitude of we're paying you this much money. So this is what we expect from you. And I'm not against accountability, mm-hmm. but there really is freedom. I don't want to have to evaluate every time I go to lunch with somebody, right. is this ministry or not? Right. And so if I built a church and I said, look, I'm your shepherd and I have my own income. And uh, so, so anyway, let me back up. So I know that about 80 was probably enough for our family of four to live in our middle-class house and have great neighbors and, and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> but my sights are set way bigger than I could ever justify a church. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I think that's so, great, man. I do. Um, because again, so the, the I, only it, way I know how to get there is to spend so much time on the business side that I don't have time to minister. And so I want to say, okay, Lord, I'll just that do may not be want. true. Yeah, but that okay. may not be true. Get them less. Tell them you. <laughs> you need to put a bookmark on that one because it's just not true. We've seen too many examples where that's not the case. You just need to, feed, you know, kind of start with that the end in mind. If that's not what you want, what do you want? And then reverse engineer the life that's going to get you there. And yeah. we've seen so many examples of, of people that, and we're doing that too, by the way. I mean, I can't, I can't, I don't, I don't want to spend, a, you know, a hundred of my 168 hours a week at work, and I'm not. So uh, we know that it's possible. Absolutely. And so some of that is, you know, it's some of that's a learned skill where you're going to build your leadership development, that muscle is going to keep growing. You're going to build systems. Um, But there's ways of doing that. I mean, we have those types of pastors in our communities who are great shepherds. They, They love their church and they lead their church and shepherd the flock. But they they have multiple businesses going on. And again, they're not out there every day on the, they're not the tip of the spear with the, paintbrush in hand or the, you know, whatever in hand, they are, they're behind the scenes. They've got leaders that are representing them. And so that, that's a whole thing. Like we can help you with that. Ben, I love the fact that you're not wanting to see 
pastoral ministry is the primary vehicle to a six-figure salary. There are some pastors who make that, and justifiably so, because of the size of their churches and the budgets and and all of that. I have no issue. So if you're listening to this as a pastor who's making six figures, I'm not necessarily mad about that. But if if you're looking at that as the primary vehicle, most pastors aren't going to make a six-digit salary from their church, and that really shouldn't be their motivation anyway. And everything you're saying, Ben, about the freedom that comes when you're shepherding a flock, when you're not dependent upon that flock as their employee, you have my 100% support. I see the value in that. I see a new day of pastoring coming to the church in, in America that's going to probably look a whole lot more like it did in the early church. But where I'm, where I'm fighting for pastors is, let's get over this thing about having an issue making good money. The more financially secure you are, outside of the church, the more powerfully you're going to be able to lead the church and just the healthier your family is going to thrive. And so that's where I really want to help pastors get over this thing in their mind of, well, man, is it okay for me to make money? Is it okay for me to give my, like, what if I tell you, Ben, maybe early on you're giving 90% of your focus to your entrepreneurial pursuits and you have 10% to give to the church. And that may that percentage may change as we start to get your businesses or business, whatever it is, up and off the ground and some systems in place, and you might start finding more bandwidth um, to serve a church, uh, you know. But, yeah, I mean, I, so, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I think the day that I sent you the message and said, does entree pastoring conflict with serving God and mammon? Money. Sorry, King James. I'm, I know <laughs> what you're saying. I can translate <laughs> We got it. Um, I think that was a pretty low day for me. Um, personally, I was, I've had some really, the last three months have been the best and the worst three months of my life. I've had total freedom. It's been wonderful. I hate what the total freedom has revealed <laughs> about mm-hmm. my character, but, but I, I've, I've been able to pursue things that I could never pursue before. Um, and I think what you, your answer to my question is you can, serve God and be a tent maker without serving being a tent maker. So, so Paul um, said, we can't, well, Jesus said, we can't serve God and mammon, but, but Paul by our definition was an entree apostle because he was a tent maker Mm -hmm. and somehow he had to fund these trips and he, he surrounded himself with people probably helped him, but he also knew how to abound and how not to. Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, that tells me at some point he was wealthy. I think there are plenty of examples in the Bible. Like when you think about the people that God used, he used both. Like Absolutely. Abraham was wealthy. Moses is wealthy. So I don't have a problem with wealth. And and I think that the answer that I'm hearing and I'm grateful for is um, God is not opposed to you uh, creating wealth. For me personally, my systems are probably the problem Yeah, because the good ideas aren't being executed because I'm all over the place on the map trying to get them done. So, um, and and I think it's very helpful for me to hear you say as well that um, uh, well, just the, the, so when I think of the inner city church, I think of a church in Peoria that I would love to be their pastor. There's no way I could afford to be it. Uh, But if I had an income stream outside of ministry, then I could. And so I think you've answered my question. I'm not doing a good job of repeating it back. Well, let, let me ask you this real quick, and then I'll, then I'll let you jump in, Les. I was going to ask you specifically for your story, going back in the conversation when you talked about like ministry is kind of what I know. It's it's a place to go for a job. 
is there any place right now that's a real opportunity that is saying to you, Ben, if, if you'll come and be our pastor, we'll give you your full-time $24,000 salary or 30000 Like, Is that even an, on the table specifically right now? Well, there was about three months ago as an assistant pastor for a guy who wants to retire, and he thought he could pay me $50,000. And um, um, I don't know if that's still on the table or not, because I kind of told him, well, let's wait and see. Okay. Because I'll challenge you with a thought. If there is, this is just a thought. I am a both-and thinker where I would say, what what look, what does it look like for you to approach that church that may be reaching out saying, hey, will you come and work with us to say, I will. And if and let, I'm just spitballing here, but if they're saying we can pay you 50 where you go, okay, here's the thing. I, I'll come and do, do this for 50, but I want to define where my role begins and where it ends because I'm also doing these other things. And I want you to know this. I have another job and, and maybe it's, maybe they say, well, then we're, we're going to have to pay you less. Okay. We can negotiate. Anything's negotiable. Uh, my my deal with most pastors, not all, but with most pastors, is what your church is calling a full time salary. I'm calling a part time salary anyway. I I challenge the average pastor. You don't need to ask permission. You just start building something over here because God knows you love these people. You're pouring your heart and soul into them. You're gonna serve them and lead them. Figure out a way in ministry with the flexibility that that offers to build something in addition to, and don't go freaking asking your deacons for their permission for it. Cause they're going to say, no, just do it. You know, anyway, that's me. So I get that's probably <laughs> abrasive to some, but yes. let's go ahead, man. Well, and, and that freaking is actually straight from the Greek as you yeah, know. That's, that's <clears throat> so there you go. Um, yeah. I would say if you haven't done so already, or if you have maybe do it again, the, the, the stories, what you're describing in a different way. Um, I would say, look at, look at, um, Ryan Stoyer's story. Ryan's a part of our community and he came mm. on one of our podcasts. Also, Jody Pastore is the other one. Very different, but really getting it done in a different way. Jody is very much a full-time pastor. He's who I thought of a minute ago when when John was talking about having multiple streams of income. It's all, unless you know Jody personally. I would have a hard time believing everything that he's doing and the income that he's actually making in his businesses versus uh, his salary from the church. But it's absolutely true. He, but he's got, he's, and he's built this now. It's taken a while, but he scaled it in such a way that he spends, I think, in a couple of hours, maybe a couple of, probably not even that yeah. a day, maybe an hour a day organizing early in the day what his crews are going to do. And then he's hands off and he's not doing online stuff. He's doing, he's doing service-based businesses. You know, he's done car washes and, and pressure washing, paint, yeah, pressure washing, industrial commercial painting and things like that. He's got crews that do all of this. He's got some really good leaders and accountability for those crews. Ryan Stoyer is very, very different. Ryan literally bought the church building and stepped into a church that was all but dead. And from the get-go was able to establish those boundaries and those expectations to where he's got many different, he's an entrepreneur. He's teaching his children how to be an entrepreneur. He's in rural Indiana. 80% of his people in his church walk to church. All right. And he's, he's got businesses with his kids where they raise chickens and they lay eggs and he goes and sells the eggs in the community. That's their little business. He's a really good pastor. Very conscientious, hands-on with his people, but he also comes from a background different from ours. Mm -hmm. 
where he didn't see vocational ministry as closely as we did. And so he's just doing what seems to be biblical. It's almost like he has a freedom that some of us who grew up in the church feel like we don't have because of the one model that we saw. I'm not saying the model was wrong per se, but it's like it's just a revolutionary concept that, wait a minute, I can come into a church setting and go, yep, I'm here to pastor, I'm here to lead, but you you need to know I, I run this business over here that's making six figures a year, and I'm, I'm spending about half of my week doing that, and out of the margin and overflow, I'm going to serve this church. Like, it can totally be done. And Jody's story, you're going to love this, Ben, just what I know about you and how you're wired. Like, so many of his employees are guys that are unhirable in the workforce. They're coming right out of, you know, addiction, prison, these types of things where he's bringing them on his teams, giving them another chance. And, like, in the morning, every morning he starts off by buying, you know, I don't know this is the healthiest thing, but, you know, Egg McMuffin sandwiches for the crew. They get together. He's feeding them breakfast. He buys them every meal that as long as they're working for him, he pays for all their meals. And, uh, you know, he sits there in the morning for about an hour just delegating tasks, making sure his crews know where, where they're going. And then he's free, you know, and he's making, mm-hmm. he's killing it in life, in, in ministry, in mm-hmm. finances. Um, he's just a thrill to hang out with and he's the real deal. Like that's, he's the poster child for what I want to see many, many Mm -hmm. pastors seeing, look, this is possible. And, uh, we just haven't, we haven't celebrated those models. We haven't even been aware that those things are even out there or exist. And the thing is, I'm finding there's a lot more Jody's out there than what we realize. We just don't celebrate their stories in the church. We don't hold them up and go, guys, look at this. You know, it's we've got these very narrow concepts of what it means to we have such a heaviness around this calling. Every single person in our church has a calling from God upon their life. That's Why right. do we put such a heaviness around it when it comes to pastoring? Like, oh, this burden, this calling. Yes, you are one you belong to God. You are one of his children, and he created you on purpose for a purpose. And so walk in it. But that doesn't mean like you have to have this. Oh, I'm going to start preaching, Ben. But we, thanks we just, a lot, Ben. I was just getting ready to say thanks a lot, Ben. You got him preaching. Take an offering now. So, okay. let's, hey, so as long as we're as long as we're offending people, let me throw one more in there. Okay, yeah, hit them, we're on we're on a roll. So we're really equal opportunity offenders. Here's one. This and this this somebody needs to hear this. I don't know, but here's the thing. I've heard this so many times. You know, you're doing that on the church's time. Okay, time out. Because first of all, I mean, I get what they're saying there, and, and I'm for accountability too, Ben. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I real, I truly am, and I want to be careful of using resources in the right way and all that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about all of that and being dishonest or something. But I, here's what I'm, I'm uh, wanting to address. It's God's time. It really is all His time. We're stewards of the 168 hours in the week He gives me. So, but here's the issue with that: somebody that might have an issue with me recording a podcast, say, let's just say on a Tuesday morning. Okay. Or doing, writing a blog post. And and again, there needs to be boundaries, be real cautious, but, but that's usually not the problem with pastors. They're usually very, very sensitive and aware of that. So why, why do we, why do, why would somebody have a problem with, with a a pastor who's full-time pastor of a local church writing a blog post at 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning, because that's the time of the day he can, but if there's a funeral that comes up two o'clock on Saturday afternoon when I'm with my family or I have something else planned, that's not my, that's, I could say, well, that's my time. What about the church? I don't believe it is. It's, it's God's time. And I'm to be a steward of that time, yeah. but we don't talk about that that much, mm. but people are real sensitive 
I, well, I have That's found good. not not in my current context. I'm talking about other pastors. People have been people are real sensitive about hey, is that the church time or is that my time? Well, it's all God's time. But again, you're back to those boundaries, and that's an internal thing that everybody has really got to come to grips with themselves. But I think there is some inconsistency about the scenario that I just threw out. Well, that's good. Real quick, and then I'll let you go, Ben. Les, this is going to sound super spiritual, but has God ever woke you up at 2 in the morning with a heart of, i got to pray for this person, or uh, I'm wrestling with a sermon in my mind. Have you ever had those times, Les, in the middle of the night? Sure. Did you ever clock oh, yeah. in and be like, this is church time? You know, it's like, it's <laughs> right. it's all God's time. That's my point. So you're, yeah, that's such you a go. good thing, man. So like when yeah. people want to put our pastoring hours into this nine to five, again, it's a calling, man. It's it's there full right. time. So go ahead, Ben. So um, I feel like you guys are giving me permission to believe what I already am believing on some of this. Um, I've never been in the senior role. Uh, one of my hangups with youth pastors is that they're not really pastors, they're directors, and they should be treated as pastors or not called pastors. And where I'm coming from on that is I am the guy who kept a spreadsheet at two o'clock in the morning. If I woke up the next day, I'd write, I woke up and prayed for half an hour. Nobody ever asked to see it, but no. just in case. And um, I did send it to my pastor for a whole year. And when we were bringing on the guy to replace me, he said, do you think I should have him send in a spreadsheet? I said, absolutely not. <laughs> so that's the most miserable thing. And, and I said, I only did it just because I wanted to assure you that, that you guys were getting your money's worth. But, but I think that's the, my thought is you're, you are supporting me. I think that the church should pay me uh, what it costs for me to maintain a lifestyle similar to the people that go there. And, and then my life is given to them, but, if I want to start a business on the side, that's, that's fine. Um, I guess a question that I have is what is the, the core responsibility of the pastor? So if, if, if I'm negotiating, okay, guys, you'll pay me 50,000, but I also have this business. Ephesians four, that's your responsibility. That's you so equip good. the saints for the work of ministry. And in my personal opinion is that a business that hires unhirables is part of that, especially oh. if you're bringing them to Christ. I'm here to tell you, Ben, that the entree pastors we talk to, especially the ones that are doing the kind of the service-based businesses that are working with that that uh, clientele, essentially, they are doing just as much, if not more, ministry than the average church that's building is open one hour a week or two hours a week. Yeah. Um, real ministry is happening in the marketplace. I mean, most of Jesus's ministry happened in the marketplace, not in a church service, you know, like, and I know you know that, um, but to your question, Ephesians 4, 100%, because I, again, so much of the model we have built that I say is broken in the church, we treat our full-time employee as the hired hand of the church, and we saddle all kinds of stuff and expectations on his shoulders that God never put on his shoulders. God said in you know the, God's word in Ephesians 4, you are the equipper of the saints. They do the works of the ministry. You are in the equipping role. So I look at, you know, it, if, if I'm going into negotiations, if you will, with the church that's saying, John, we want to bring you on our staff full time and you're going to be our pastor or whatever. Okay, let's talk about that. I mean, again, it's going to be somewhat built upon how, how much of my time can you afford to pay me? And if they're like, look, we can only pay you $1,000 a month. You're getting a sermon on Sunday, you know, like, and, and I'm giving a lot of my time for that to happen. You know what I mean? Like, 
I, I'm not. Don't don't run with that. I'm just saying, like, th- you need to really stand in that so place I, of like results. Like, I can deliver these results for this amount of money, basically. So what this is really helping me with is 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 um, feeling okay with that kind of a conversation. Like I even said to my wife well before this call, if I go into another church ministry, I think I'm going to come in and say, look, I don't want you to pay me for my time. If there are certain responsibilities you want me to accomplish, tell me what they are. Um, but my job is to be a good Christian who is a good shepherd who equips people. And if I can in good conscience do that in three hours a week, then you have to in good conscience feed me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And that may be the approach that that you're most comfortable taking. Just personally, I just personally would stay away from that time conversation because really time has nothing to do with it. They're, they're bringing you on to, for your leadership, for your, uh, for your experience, for your know-how, for your sense of the direction that God is probably that you believe God is leading for, uh, uh, being a steward of the word, um, for some pastoral care as needed. So, man, I would just, I think you're on shaky ground with that time conversation because it just, you do what you need to do to to meet those responsibilities and fill that role. I'll, I'll add Some to that. Way, yeah. In the in the marketplace, same thing. Like the lowest mm-hmm. level of business is trading your hours for for time or your hours for dollars. Like when I work with coaches or people that are wanting to be coaches, again, uh, uh, in my world it's a lot of pastors that are going down that route. That's my community. And they so often are tempted to say, well, I'll charge $50 an hour. I'm like, no, you won't. You don't charge on an hourly basis for your coaching. You charge based upon the results that you're helping someone get, which are kind of priceless, honestly. If I can help you accomplish your dreams and level up to the next level or two in your life, how do you even put a price on that? It certainly, if we are going to put a price on it, isn't going to be 50 bucks an hour. Like that, I don't work for 50 bucks an hour. And same in the church world. Like You're a professional you're doing a professional role. It's not about time because the reality is I'm here to lead and feed this flock. It's I'm going to put more time into this than you can afford to pay me for. Um, but I'm, I'm here to serve and I'm going to serve you well, but I'm also going to feed my family well. And that's going to require some of this over here, you know, and and again, go ahead. Yeah. I'll shut up and let you talk. And as far as those results go, man, I would rather, in fact, I have, I would, I would pay, for 30 minutes of someone's time, we could name names to someone who has done it, who could help me get there as well. Then I would pay for eight hours walking along somebody that was just theory and talking and, and, you know, good had the gift of gab or, you know, was funny or something. I don't want all that. So it's, it's not about the time. It's about the result. Just like John was saying. I would like to, um, change directions a little bit. Go ahead. That's okay. Yep. And take advantage of this free coaching session. Go ahead. You can edit that part out. <laughs> um, personally in my life. So I have just two, I really think you've answered my question about, and I'm very grateful for the investment you just made. Uh, two questions about me personally. Uh, my wife and I have had a, a rocky marriage. Um, uh, a lot of conflict in the home and I was addicted to pornography. Um, God has given me great victory since 2017. I have been leading men's groups. I still slip in that area. My character disappoints me, Um, but I'm not addicted to it. 
And anytime I slip, I have a group of men who know about it. And so God has given us good victory. We have much more peace in our home now than we ever did before. But my pastor said to me, I don't think you're ready to be the senior pastor of a church because your marriage is still mediocre and it could like he's counseling with us and we're, we're improving, but he's like, I just don't think I could give you a strong recommendation to be the senior pastor of a church at this moment. So I'm personally conflicted because um, he said, you have the giftings, you know, the Bible and all that, but I just, I feel like you need to have a strong marriage if you're going to go tell people to have a strong marriage. And so we're working on that and we'll get there. But then I have this, this in-between time. I can go back to the marketplace and begin to learn yet another career because my training is all in in Bible school. And then I was the first HR director. So I kind of learned as I went along at at my last job. But I really don't want to punch a clock again. I really want to pursue entrepreneurship. I'm willing to go into debt just a little bit to pursue that. Um, So with that said, I have three ideas that have kind of risen to the top. Um, uh, one is actually, let me just stop there. Do you want to hear them? Yeah, I do. I'd love to. Okay. So, so there is a, a lot of churches that are less than 200 people. Um, I think this would bless them. I created an eight and a half by 14 newsletter called the family focus. And I used it when I was the family pastor, have one little article about family stuff, have some silly stuff in there. Uh, how to pray for your kids, uh, suggestions for ideas. I visited um, Bellevue Baptist Church where Adrian Rogers used to be the pastor years ago. And they had all this family activity stuff. We were just passing through on vacation. I was like, oh, this is great. So uh, there are ministries already that do kind of what I'm talking about, but not exactly this. So I say a pastor who has less than 200 members, he's the only staff member for $150 a year or whatever price. I'll send you 12 issues of the family focused newsletter print that you can set out on your little table where people come in and grandparents will pick them up and send them to their kids. People who visit your church will go, oh, these people care about families, even though you might only have two families with kids. $150, the smallest budget wouldn't even miss. And if I did that a thousand times, there you go. And I I love putting together those newsletters. That's one idea. And that's the one I think I could move the fastest. People have told me it needs to be digital. I'm listening to you, but I think the market here is for people who would like something in their hand. I agree. One of one of my 30-year-old friends said, Ben, if there was something like that in our church, I'd read it during the service. I said, yeah. And if you weren't reading it, you'd be asleep. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. okay. that's a selling point. Make sure you put a crossword puzzle or something in there for all those people that are bored to tears. <laughs> okay. And then uh, the, the other two are, I've read several books by Dan Ariely. He was burned seriously as a kid. And now he's a professor. I think he's Jewish or something, uh, non-Orthodox though, but he, he is, uh, he studies motivation. So he's wrote dollars and cents and he's wrote, um, did he write man on fire? Maybe he wrote predictably, predictably irrational. Basically though, what I learned is that people are motivated by loss more than by gain. So I tested this. My kids are playing a video game and I said, Hey, if I give you $10 right now to go cut the grass, would you do it? Eh, game's pretty engaging. So what if I told you, you have to go get $10 out of your bank and give it to me if you don't cut the grass? Okay, we'd go cut the grass. So that that motivation of loss. So I have a coaching idea where I have seven or eight things that you do every morning 
you pay me $300 and I will come up with the seven or eight things that we're going to do for the next 30 days. Then you give me a $900 deposit. And every day that you don't do it, I take away the money. Uh, $10 the first day, $50 the second day, and $30 for the rest of the time. And what I guarantee is my program will work or you don't get your money back. That's, that's intriguing. <laughs> I've got two customers who are willing to try it. I've used Google Forms to create a daily check-in. So they just check in if they did it. And that's how I know whether or not they get their money. And then the, the third one is this podcast. Growing up as a preacher's kid, and I've worked at the inner city, three boys that I spent hours and hours mentoring have been shot and killed. Ladies who loved me like a grandchild when I was growing up, but they weren't related to me. I, I know so many people, as all of you do too, who have died. I have this idea for a a book called 39 Funerals, Lessons About Life I Learned from People Who Died. One of my mentors in the purity community said, Ben, you should make that a podcast first. That'll help you organize your thoughts. And and I am a much better talker than writer. Uh, So he said, make that a podcast and just call it 39 Funerals. And as the word gets out, people listen to those stories. I don't even know who the audience would be, but they're inside of me and I want to tell them. And each one would kind of be it wouldn't be a sad podcast. It would be like, this is what I learned from this person yeah. and, yeah. and kind of an intriguing, like, how does this, I've told a few people who are not in ministry. Yeah. I've got this idea for book 39 funerals. And they're like, you've been to 39 funerals. I was like, you have no idea. <laughs> I mean, a lot more than that. <laughs> yeah. So, right, can, so I anyway. give a little, can I give a little yes. feedback just, just yes. for a second, just personally. Um, I think all, I think all three would work depending on, what fuel, what do you pour gasoline onto? But I, I really like the first one short term, but I think the third one is a home run. It's a, it's a little bit longer game, I think, but I think you can do those things simultaneously. And I mean, we could give you information later on, but you could actually, as you're doing the podcasts, <clears throat> there's software that'll transcribe the audio of that. You go in, edit it, smooth it out, or get somebody else to help you as a editor or ghostwriter produce that thing. If you could do it in two to three months, probably maybe let's just say three months. And then you'd have, and then you're starting to be considered as a, as a, uh, an expert in the field when you've got that book out there, you're a, uh, you're an authority. <laughs> the field of funerals. funerals. Yeah. You can you're, be sponsored yeah. by funeral homes. I love it. Yeah, you're, you're an authority in the field. So, uh, well, what would be wrong with that? Oh, nothing. I, I, I love that. There's, there are some people I guarantee you that, that they would do that. So maybe I, I mean, have a copy of it in their waiting room or give it, or give it to their, uh, to their, to, to the people that come mm-hmm. in, to the people that they're serving, give that, give a copy of that to them, mm-hmm. you know? I, I want to weigh in with some feedback, but, but a couple questions. You, did I hear you say correctly under the coaching idea that you already have two people willing to put nine hundred bucks down to to well, I have, play the game? I have. I'm the first one. Okay. I got a guy, and I said, "If I give you twelve hundred dollars, can we work together on this?" And then the second one is somebody I shared the idea with, and he goes, "I think I'd be down for that." Okay. And he's a good friend who would be a, a trial example. It's a here's both the, of them know that. It's an interesting concept because I, I, it's kind of like I'm, I'm inspired by competition, right? So it's like, okay, I pay you nine. If I'm understanding you right, I pay you 900 bucks. You're keeping 300 of it, period. But I can you pay get, me 1200 bucks, but oh. you get 900 back. Oh, okay. I like that even better. So, so then you're getting, uh, help me with the math. So you're getting 300, 300. bucks. Right. Okay. But I for, love the for concept. A single session. Yeah. yeah. So you meet with me once, you lay out my, 
morning routine or whatever, there's obviously some honor system, or maybe you build a way that you can actually see if I'm checking in, checking these you boxes. You have a daily check-in that you have yeah. to respond and it will be timestamped. Okay. I like that. I was just, the part I wanted to question was just whether or not you actually had, if you have people saying I'm in, I want to know more about that because you're at a place right now where it's like, we need some income. You had, you had mentioned debt. I'll come back to these in just a minute. You had mentioned w- being willing to go into debt. What would you be going into debt for specifically? <laughs> Do you have a thought of like, I, sure. So, but what kind of debt is that? You're talking about like just filling up like credit groceries cards and gas. I mean, I credit literally, card. my money runs out in two weeks. I have some yeah, savings. Do you have a, is there, well, I, here's what I don't I want you this. doing. <laughs> What I don't want you doing is running out. I don't mind if you take a risk and if you're fun, you know, if you are in debt to fund an entrepreneurial thing. Like I'm not. I love Dave Ramsey. I buy into so much of his stuff, but I also learn from other wealthy people who have a different take on debt. Like if you're just out running up credit cards, I'm 100 percent with Dave Ramsey. But I also do believe there is a time and a place for certain types of debt. And so all I'm saying is, I'd hate to see you out. You know running up a bill on a credit card, there's better forms of debt maybe. And that's a different conversation we can go deeper into. But um, I think what I was referring to specifically is if it would take me two months to get my newsletter going, um, and, and I welcome pushback on this, maybe I'll put my expenses on a credit card for two months. But a better, th- because in order to maintain our lifestyle, I would have to have a, a career type job I don't know, but I think that I think I thought by now the next every every job I've ever taken came to me. First ministry job, they came looking for me. I didn't even submit a resume. Peoria Charter Coach, where I eventually became the HR director. I interviewed there and told them, no, I don't think it'll work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they got a new director of operations who said, we need Ben Watt working here. And they called me back. So we'll we'll make the job work for you. It was awesome. So, the family pastor position, they came and asked me, would you fill in since you have time and experience? I was like, yes, I didn't have to pray about it. I mean, I'll pray that God stops it if it's not your will. So during these three months, I thought that the right thing would rise to the top and it hasn't. So this is the first time I've ever actually felt like I have to go find a job. And um, and actually the, the the right thing might be rising. This conversation might be pushing me to pursue some of those things. But Can I um, go ahead? Just one, one thing, John, real quick. Yep. Uh, Here's here's both sides of that equation, Ben, because I've been at both places, and you sort of, um, I, I think you you choose the the day to day that you want. I was I was going to use the word stress. That's a little negative. What what you know, whatever you you, you kind of because there's a different kind of pressure. All right, so if um, if you have something that will help just meet your basic needs during this time, it takes away from you appearing or, or sounding needy to people that you're talking to about your services, whatever they end up being. There's just something subtle people pick it. It's not that you're being disingenuous or even trying. It's just, there's something there where there's not that laid backness to where you need to be talking to people and really be okay. If they say no, rather than being anxious about that or stressed, or I need to say the exact, just the right thing so that they'll, you know, hire me or buy my newsletter or whatever. It needs to be okay with you if they don't. And one of the only ways to create that is to have something that you're, you're not dependent upon that to live, you know, but that the, the, here's the other side of that coin. There is a sense of urgency <laughs> when the situation's urgent. So it could be, that's why I say to meet your basic needs, like it's not gonna, 
it's not going to be so great that you're like, you know, I can, I can just do this. And I really don't have to have the other. It's like, no, I really need the other, but I don't have to have the other. You know what I'm saying? So if there was something like that, that would just take off that pressure, you wouldn't go to bed at night thinking, dang, I really needed to make, have 10 more conversations today to, to close that one deal. That's a bad feeling, man. If you can get around it. Are you willing, or have you looked into like, um, like Uber or Lyft or, you know, hub grub, just something like a way to just go make some quick cash enough to just get by. But then I really am focusing on building something moving forward. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I was praying pretty fervently the other day about this, like, uh, there's a book called just do something. And I was like, okay, Lord, do you want me to just go do something? And, uh, you know, I was praying, what do you, what's my next step? And he brought Hobby Lobby to mind. I read David Green's book. I thought I've never worked in retail. So, I mean, I like fought God on this and finally went and applied at Hobby Lobby and gave him my resume. And the day I dropped it off, because I was like, that's not going to pay my bills, but it'll keep me needy enough to stay motivated. And it'll give me a, a routine. <laughs> and when I applied, the lady said, all of our positions are filled. I'm like, you're the only company in America then. The only wow, store. Yeah. No kidding. Has- That's crazy. Yeah, and no I was like, kidding. okay, Lord, well, at least I was obedient. So yes, I'm willing to do that. And and I probably, like part of logic, human logic says I should have already started doing that. But I've really been claiming, seek first the kingdom of God and he'll meet all of my needs. So well, he's already proven that he can bring some of these creative, even if they're just one-off freelance things that you're doing, like he can maybe bring, not maybe, he can, he can absolutely 100% bring some one-off freelance projects that you could never have even lined up or figured sitting here today with a pen and paper where it's coming from. I want to go back to these three things real quick before we run out of time and just give some quick feedback. I love all three ideas. I honestly do. I am a both-and thinker, probably to a fault, because sometimes there is absolutely value to picking a path and running hard down that path to the neglect of everything else. But some people, I believe God is wired with capacity to juggle a few things better than others. And I, so I, I, I'm i a guy who can have multiple irons in the fire. And again, recognizing sometimes I still put too many irons in the fire. But some feed, the, the 39 funeral book idea slash podcast idea, I love it. Um, but of the three, I see that as being the longest runway because here's the thing about authoring a book. And then I want to tell you a little detail too, that might be an encouragement for you, um, to, to sell a book or to get it through a published author. I mean, certainly you can go the self-published route, but what a publisher wants to see in many cases is, do you have a following? Do you have a platform? And I've built several podcasts, you know, and it, it can't, it absolutely can be done, but it takes time. Like to monetize a podcast right out of the gate is tough, um, and the the thing I want to share with you, just a little detail, and if if we share this with anyone else, less and I have not gone public with this yet, but we actually are working out um, what's going to be called Entree Pastors Press. It's going to be a division of Morgan James Publishing. They're like the seventh largest publisher in the the country, um, and they're they're basically going to have this Entree Pastors Press by which we can bring them authors with great ideas, great books, and and help those authors get published in a, you know, legit publishing type thing. So we actually have two less. Do we have two in the pipeline right now or one for sure with a potential? One has a contract. Yeah. One, has, one has a contract with an advance 
and the other is in the pipeline. But the thing is, even with that, there's there's still money required on your part as the author. Like you have to buy in and put some money in. So that's where it's like I love that could go to a lot of places. I mean, that could open the door to speaking, coaching, whatever, book sales. But that's going to take time. There's a long runway represented with that. Something I heard you say under the newsletter thing that I just wanted to throw a little gasoline on is there's something in you that's passionate. Like all of this stuff, there's something in you you feel needs to be created. That's where I want you to create the content. Even if you're driving for Uber or working at Hobby Lobby, I want you to carve out some time where you're starting to record these 39 stories. In Even if you're not even publishing them yet, I want you to start getting this content Good. out um, cause something will come cost from anything. that. Right. Won't cost, won't cost anything. Start building these newsletters. I mean, the 150 bucks a month doesn't excite you. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I wrote month, but you did say year. Um, yeah. So 150 bucks a year does not excite me, but I get the math. If you get a thousand of them, that's a, that's great, but it's still income. And I get it. Like you, you know, maybe churches aren't going to say, yeah, we'll pay 1200 bucks a year for that. I, I wouldn't as a pastor, would I pay 150 for a year? Maybe, you know, if it's quality, but I want start producing that, you know, it sounds like you already are. So you have something to sell. You have something that right now you could take four hours today and say, I'm going to start working my relationships with churches that I know and saying, Hey, I want to send you a copy of this. I'd love it. If, but Les's point about not showing up needy in those essentially what will be sales conversations is so key. Like you need to be there with a posture of I'm here to serve. I don't need your money. Um, you know, but this is, this is something I'd love to serve your people with. And so I I like that. And then the coaching thing, man, coaching is a, is a very profitable. There's so much potential for profit in coaching. Um, there's a lot of nuance about it that we don't have time to get into today in terms of how to build a coaching business. But that's where I kind of lit up too. When I heard you say you, maybe there's some proof of concept of someone going, Hey, I'm willing to jump in on that. Like that's interesting to me too, because that's the profit margins are a little better there. You know, if you've got someone, you know, and and let's be honest, people are people, they're not going to get, they're they're not all going to get their 900 bucks back. Right. Like you're going to keep, it's like the gym member. I'm paying for a gym membership and they haven't, they don't even know who I am. They don't see me. Right. I should stop paying that every month, but I, I keep paying them. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I love all the ideas. And to some degree, I think what I'm trying to say to you is, play with all of them, you know, fine. I think you have the bandwidth right now to play with all of them. Well, all right, I'm going to jump in here and stop the coaching conversation just a little bit short. I'm saving just a little bit of the end for our backstage subscribers. We ended this call on a powerful note and it ties very much into the question of this episode. Is it okay to want to be an entree pastor. If you are a backstage subscriber, you can go check it out and hear the remainder of that uh, conversation that we had with Ben. And and what you're going to hear is really a powerful insight that he had surrounding this question. And uh, the conclusion may surprise you. It certainly will be an encouragement, I believe. So if you are not a part of our backstage community, it's very simple. If you go to entrepastors.com, you'll find uh, the link there to jump into that. It's $9 a month or $10 a month to subscribe to that backstage content. But I'll sweeten the pot by telling you this. For just a few more dollars a month, you can jump into our Entree Pastors membership community in which not only do you get access to the backstage content in these episodes, you get in our membership community. You have access to multiple courses where we're offering up different pathways that pastors can follow to jump into the entrepreneurial space. 
You've got access to our membership community there, the, our Facebook group where uh, we do some Q&A, a live coaching call once a month. It's, it's actually the second Tuesday of every month. So there's some real valuable content and community that happens inside of that. Right now, we're still launching at our founding members price of $29 a month. That's going up very soon. Um, yeah, very soon. That'll be going up to about $49 a month. And as we build out the next phase of growth of that community. So if you want in early, get in. Guys, some really good things are happening there. And you can hear the rest of the conversation that we had with Ben in the backstage part of this podcast. Finally, I would just say this. Another thing that is really powerfully serving pastors in this community right now is our Entree Pastors Mastermind. Our next call is coming up on January 26th. And uh, guys, we are having tremendous conversations inside of that as well. Uh, right now, I think we got eight or nine pastors in there and just it's incredible to see the action they're taking and to see the progress that they're making in their business pursuits along with pastoring healthy and amazing churches. So if that would be of interest to you, jump in. That is $300 a month to be in our mastermind. Currently, we meet twice a month. Uh, we are very soon going to be moving that to a weekly meeting and the price on that's going to go up as well. So guys, the act the, here, here's the, the takeaway action, take action and get in on this stuff and be a part of this growing community. And uh, we'll be excited to see what happens in your life as you continue to thrive, think and act like a prosperous entrepreneur. God bless everybody. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.